Welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. The 23rd annual San Diego Asian Film Festival begins this week. The festival features 130 films from 30 plus countries and 30 plus languages at four venues. The festival kicks off this Thursday with its opening night at the Museum of Natural History in Balboa Park. Brian Hu is the artistic director of the festival and an associate professor of TV, film, and new media at SDSU. Brian, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Um, so it's that time of year again. I kind of can't believe it. How how are you feeling? And you know what's in store for this year? Um, I mean, yes, the the these festivals just creep up uh, on us, and I feel like we just talked. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't help that we now have like a mini festival in the spring. So, um, I mean, it really goes to show there are just too many films being made in the world's largest continent, and we're lucky to have uh, 130 of them here in San Diego. Yeah, absolutely. So what are some of the highlights this year? Um, well, I'm very excited about our opening film called Bad Axe. This is a film that every festival goes to, it wins awards, whether it's like a jury award or probably more likely the audience award. Um, and it's a certain kind of movie that always wins the audience award everywhere it goes. Um, it tugs at the heart strings, it, but it also like hits especially to, like hits our core um, at a specific time in our in the history of our of our world. So this specifically is about the year 2020. Um, the film is about a Cambodian Mexican American family business, family restaurant in Bad Axe, Michigan. And what happens when a pandemic strikes, when their business has to pivot, um, but also when anti-Asian violence is starting to, to bubble up, especially in very conservative areas like Bad Axe, Michigan. Um, and also when George Floyd protests start to have people talk about race in, in a more kind of open way and how it affects a, a restaurant that's owned by kind of entrepreneurs of color. Um, but more importantly, I think it's also a movie about how family that doesn't always see eye to eye comes together in times like 2020. Um, and so it's only tw two years later and we're already being able to reflect on that time and really see it as a time capsule. Um, so that, that one in particular is one that I highly recommend. Yeah, the trailer does look very emotional. I'm looking forward uh, to seeing it. Hopefully it has an, a happy ending. Um, well, I wanted to ask you about other other films that are playing. I know that the festival is sort of organized by like tracks or programs and there's like Asia Pop and Asian American Panorama. Can you talk a little bit more about those and what does each program focus on? Yeah. So, I mean, in some ways I think about uh, it's, it's like putting together five different film festivals, <laughs> it's five different mini film festivals. And because we recognize that people will go to festivals for different reasons, some including our own festival. So for instance, some people come to our film festival because they really want to see Asian Americans represented on screen. Um, and so we have a section that's just dedicated to Asian American filmmakers, Asian American stories. And the kind of the criteria we use to program a, a, a section like that is very different from what we would use to uh, curate, for instance, the program called Asia Pop, which is crowd pleasers, studio films, mainstream movies from Asia, um, which are really more about making people laugh and cry <laughs> or getting them like, like to be frightened in their seats. Whereas Asian American Panorama is really about how do we build community? How do we showcase our artists? How do we, um, what are the conversations we wanna have around these films? So the Asian American Panorama section are where you'll find 
um, films where the filmmakers were, are likely to be present to, to engage the audience in a post-screening Q&A. Um, which, and this is all very different from, for instance, our master section. Just as you know, there's some people who go to museums because they want to see Picasso's or Monet's, right? They just want to see works by the greatest artists. Um, film festivals are the same way. There's some people who, for whom, like Jafar Panahi or Hirokazu Koreeda are household names. And if that's you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And you'll know, yeah, you're probably thinking, wait, you have their new movies? I, should, I need to go check them out. Um, the master section, like, I'm kind of that person too. Maybe I'm a snob. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just like, I want to know what these great directors of the world are up to. Yeah, well, I think you've definitely earned your cred, so understandable. Um, <laughs> but as I mentioned, I mean, there are just a ton of movies, over 130. Did you personally select all of them? And how do you go about it? I mean, how many hours is that? That's so Oh, wild. my goodness. Uh, well, so, so I mean, it's kind of a trick number, right? It's 130 films, of which maybe 70 of them are short films. Oh, I see. That still so, counts, yeah. Yeah, 70 to 80. And so the short films, we have a committee that of um, incredible volunteers made up of artists and activists and um, former interns, <laughs> just people who who know how to talk the language of our festival and are really committed to the, um, the our goals, mm -hmm. our, our mission. Um, and they help sift through, I can't imagine how, like hundreds and hundreds of films um, that are submitted to our festival. Um, so they do that maybe block of 70 or 80 films, and then I do the rest. Um, so, I mean, I am watching like over 100 feature-length films every year. Wow. Uh, of which, you know, most of them are not good. Um, <laughs> I, I think like it's a sign of, of um, growth, like professional growth that I feel like, in, like the movies I watch every year are getting better and better not because the films are getting better and better but because i'm getting smarter about what not to watch ah. um, in the beginning i'll just watch anything because i was such a like oh you know i'll give everything a chance and then realize this is the biggest continent in the world i can't do that mm. um and so uh, yeah so um whittle it down and we've this is the, this is the slate that we've got wow um uh, well it sounds like a really fun job, even though I know that it is work. Um, okay. I was hoping we could do a quick round of uh, your quick picks. So what is the most mainstream friendly film uh, this time around? Um, well, one film that's quite mainstream, that is probably why it's our high, like fastest selling film this year is a movie called Mama's Affair. Um, I mean, it's, it's about the mainstream entertainment industry in Hong Kong. Um, it's about a, a former talent agent she, like so many in Hong Kong, um, unfortunately, once she got married, had kids, she kind of left the industry just to be a stay-at-home mom. But now that her husband is you know, not the best husband <laughs> and the son is ready to move on as into, as into adulthood, she's thinking about making a comeback as a mm. talent agent. She finds this like hot young star. And um, yeah, so it's like a, a comeback story, but it's also a like making of a star kind of movie. Mm, um, awesome. Like canto pop and like behind the scenes as cameos yeah so very glitzy that way nice that sounds fun what is your uh you know one of your more challenging movies to watch a, a movie for movie snobs like yourself <laughs> <laughs> oh that i what should i even start with that one um <laughs> but one of my favorites actually is called stonewalling um i don't think it's that difficult necessarily it's just it's just longer um it's two hours and it's about two and a half hours 
Um, but it's a film from China. And it's about a woman who um, she's also like a, a aspiring middle class, upper middle class person. Um, she's trying to become an influencer or has like a pus like a boyfriend who wants to be an influencer. She's trying to become a flight attendant attendant as well. So it's about like this this um, dream in China of kind of making it of ascending class. Um, but then she gets pregnant, and she. Her, her boyfriend doesn't really want to have a kid. She knows it's not the best for her career, but she finds a way that maybe she can get rid of her baby. But, but I don't think it's a spoiler. She finds somebody who's willing to take her baby. After So the movie follows her through her pregnancy as she starts to discover that this, this thing that she signed up for is a little more complicated, mm. um, a little more, it's a little darker than she thought. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. Okay. Uh, and I'll say like, it's, I mean, this premise is kind of intriguing, um, but I think what makes it such an interesting film is these, these are filmmakers who take their time. Like every scene has a purpose, but we slowly see through their people's behavior, through the way they engage with each other, the way they talk or don't talk, but, um, they, they hold things back. They're the hopes and desires, but also their fears. Um, they, they slowly seep into the surface of every shot. And it's by the end, it's, it hits like a juggernaut. Mm, okay. It sounds like there's a lot going on. I'm going to try to watch that with your tips there in mind. Um, what is what is one of the best films for families to attend? Well, well, the trick that the tricky part always is that there are definitely family-friendly films. It's just they're subtitled in English. <laughs> so uh. um if your if your child is uh, interested in watching a two-hour movies in Japanese that's subtitled in English. There's a really charming movie called The Fish Tale mm. about a little girl or actually sorry, back, about a little kid um, who is obsessed with fish and wants everything, like, all they care about is learning about fish, talking about fish. But then by the time they're an adult, they're still doing the same thing. And they're sort of, they're kind of outsiders. They're kind of weirdos in society. But I, I just think it's so charming that somebody who's like single-mindedly devoted to one thing in their lives will stop at nothing to make sure they find a job in it, to find friends who are open to this. Uh, and maybe it's just because I'm kind of a like single-mindedly obsessed with Asian cinema too. That, that I, that really <laughs> it speaks identify. to you. Yeah. yeah. Um, that sounds like a fun one. Uh, and then final question for you. Um, you know, what, what's a, what's a funny one you have on the list? Oh, so one that made me kind of laugh out loud <laughs> i mean it's it's so funny to the point of maybe a little bit just ridiculous um it's called four samosas um it's a indian american comedy in the vein of wes anderson's bottle rocket or just like early wes anderson quirky stylized um but it's about these sort of hapless um loser types who decide to to commit a heist of the local indian supermarket um for just the, the silliest reasons. There, it's about love. <laughs> it's about revenge. Um, and so, you know, they concoct plans. They put together costumes. Um, you don't necessarily think they're going to pull this off. And hijinks ensue. And there's a little bit of hip hop, a little bit of Bollywood. Um, and it's just by, I, I'm, I just watched this. I've seen it twice now, just thinking, Everybody and every actor in this movie needs to have their own TV show. Like, like this is South Asian American talent that's just waiting to be discovered and waiting to just have the opportunity. It just be so funny. 
Mm, that's awesome. Okay. I look forward to that one. Um, well, Brian, you know, congratulations again on, you know, another festival. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, yeah. So this year we're back in person and we're going back to something we used to do, which is having more than one venue at the same time, going at the same time. So most of our uh, screenings are at the Ultra Star Mission Valley, um, which is a very central, easy to park uh, part of San Diego. Um, but we're bringing back our Taiwan Film Showcase at UCSD. And these are screenings that are free for UCSD students, faculty, and staff. Um, and they're films from Taiwan, and they'll be shown in the first weekend of our festival. And um, I mean, I, my background is in Taiwan cinema. Like, this is what I had a, like, my PhD in. And so for me, it's like a chance to really dig deep into what's happening in Taiwan cinema right now, um, showing documentaries, short films, narrative films, but also pulling like two two older films from um, that have been recently restored, including a film called The Confucian Confusion, directed by the great Edward Yang. Um, those who know films like Yi Yi or Brighter Summer Day might be excited to see this film, which has really never been released in the US. Or a queer film from 1982 called Girl School, which is, I, I mean, my parents were in or, or are from Taiwan, I could never imagine that, like, um, that the words homosexual would have been something they spoke when they were in high school. Yet people in some were talking about it all the time in 1982. Wow. Um, and so it, it's such a such an interesting kind of. Um, uh, it, it's, it's a, it makes me think about that past in Taiwan completely differently, and it's only possible because this film has been recently restored. So yeah, these films are open to everybody. They'll get UCSD, but they will be free for everyone with the UCSD ID. Awesome. Well, that's great news. Um, thank you again. Congrats again. Your website is sdaff.org where people can find more information. And uh, yeah, hope to see you there. See you then.